This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. This is not really where we're going to be our it's not going to be it is going to be our focus, but I, I was kind of debating on as it pertains to scripture I want to use as a foundational scripture because there was so many scriptures. But uh, we are going to be using uh, Hebrews chapter 10 as a foundational scripture. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 20 and then find your ribbon in Luke 20. Put your ribbon in Luke 22 also. But we're going to continue on the teaching on the birth and life of Jesus Christ. And I was telling one brother, I, th- I believe uh, you know, how God does things. He just puts you in a place where I consider this you know, bringing the message to the end. And uh, as it pertains, it's a never-ending message. But, uh, you know, Brother Eberhard started with, Unto us a child is born. And I'm going to conclude with that, with that subject too. Unto, it, unto us a child is born, but we're adding unto us a son is given. Because I want you to have the mindset that the child was born for God's purpose, but the son was given to fulfill God's purpose. Without the Son, there will be no fulfillment of the purpose of God. That would just be another... And, and I can't say it's just another birth because as you study, as you continue to study, my thought was, man, what a body. As it details everything, you know, what a body. And, and, and we are going to get into it tonight, a debate that uh, people had, views, as I read certain commentaries about what certain scriptures mean. But uh, let's go, let's start off in Matthew chapter 20, because this is the mindset, and, and I want to get into my statements, into the purpose of the teaching, and how we're going to accomplish it. So Matthew chapter 20, we're going to start in the middle of an episode, and I'll give you a breakdown of what's going on, but we're going to start off on verse, no, let's start on Luke 22 first, I'm sorry, my bad, we'll go to Matthew 20 next. But Luke 22 is where I want to start. Luke 22. And we're going to start off on verse 24. But in Luke 22, what's happening there, he's he's eating the Passover with his disciples. And in the midst, I want you to think about it, in the midst of him eating the Passover with his disciples, you can call it in the midst of him knowing that he's going to his ultimate sacrifice. He's bringing things where he's going to come to the point where he's going to say, it is finished. I've, I've fulfilled the law. I've, I've accomplished. I did everything that the Father wanted me to do. He said, you know, I'm about to lay it down. You know, I'm about to bring it to the point where I am going to bring this to a conclusion in my earthly body here on earth. And all of a sudden in verse 25, after he tells them, someone is going to betray me. You know, there was this debate about who it was who was going to debate him among these disciples. But then, then there was a debate about who was going to be the greatest. It's interesting that from one debate about who's going to do this, it turned into them. It turned into about what, what about, you know, who's going to be the greatest? I can't, surely it can't be me because this is what I did. This is what I've done. Surely it can't be me. I will never betray him. And of course, you know, Peter's at the very forefront, you know, saying, you know, thinking, saying, you know, this is just me paraphrasing, saying things like, you know, I identified him as the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, there's no way I'm going to betray him. And he was the first one that actually came against. And, and, and we'll read about that, even though he's talking about Judas. But 
We end up at verse 24. And there was also a strife among them which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at me, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at me, but I am among you as he that serveth. Matthew chapter 20. A, a different episode, but referring to who would be greatest also came up here when one of uh, the, the two of the sons of uh, Zebedee came to him, wanting to sit at his right hand and on his left hand, and the other disciples got upset. You know, you know, what kind of demand, what kind of requests are you making, you know, to the master? You know, wanting to, are you trying to put yourself above us? And we start off on verse 25. But Jesus called them unto himself, unto him and said, You know the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. It's interesting, he says, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give himself his life a ransom for many. Let's go to our foundational scriptures in Hebrews chapter 10 and Psalms chapter 40. So put your ribbon in Psalms chapter 40 and go to Hebrews chapter 10. And rest there because I'm going to read a few statements. When you're there, say Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll just, we're going to stay right there. We're going to start at verse 1, but we're not reading yet. So there's some statements that I want to read. Because uh, during this Christmas season, and this is the reason for this teaching, uh, the, whole, the whole message uh, about the birth and life of Jesus Christ. During this season of Christmas, this Christmas season at Church of the Living Wire, we have been directed to lead this congregation by the teaching of the Word to concentrate on the birth of our Savior Jesus the Christ from the Old to New Testament. That's our concentration. You know, it's, I, I love the disclaimer Minister Martin made about the Christmas season. You know, I, I too, I think this is my, the most favorite time of the year. I love everything about it. I love all the songs. I enjoy listening. I enjoy just everything. I love the family. I love the atmosphere. I love the busyness. I just don't like to be busy. But I love the busyness about it, the feel, everything that's going on. I enjoy it. You know, I, I, I just enjoy it. And, and I like what he said. This stuff is fiction. You know, why are you getting, you know, you know, tore apart about what people do and how people do it in this Christmas season? The whole focus for our ministry is to put our focus on the birth of Christ, our concentration on what it's about. You know, because his life, it's, it's interesting. I believe that Psalms chapter 40 and Isaiah, no, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 10 depict, give a picture of the full, of, give a, a great picture, a full picture of the birth and life of Jesus Christ. It not only tells you why he was given a body, it gives you the whole detail of why he was given a body. Not, you know, and, I, and I'm going to make this statement, his body was not just given to be a sacrifice for your sin. It was given to be an example of the life he would live in that body. 
the whole, his body was given for a purpose. That's why I say, unto us a child was born, unto us a son was given. The child was given for God's purpose. It was born into God's purpose. But the son came to fulfill God's purpose. The son came to say, that's why when we say there was no failure in Jesus, because he could not fail. There was no way he could fail. He was going to bring it to pass. There was nothing going to stop him from bringing it to pass. So, during this season, we've been directed by the teaching to direct this congregation by the teaching of the Word to concentrate on the birth of our Savior Jesus, the Christ, from Old to New Testament. To what purpose? What is the purpose? We want to come to a better understanding. I need you to write this down. We want to come to a better understanding of the true meaning of Jesus is the reason for the season. We want to come to a better understanding of the true meaning of Jesus is the reason for the season and how it pertains, and I'll read it again, how it pertains to establishing our lives in our ministry. We want to see the importance of its birth in our lives today. So I'll read that again. The focus. We understand we're going to bring this congregation to concentrate on the birth of Jesus the Christ from Old to New Testament. And for the purpose of, we want to come to a better understanding of the true meaning of Jesus is the reason for the season. And how that pertains to establish, establishing our lives and our ministry. How is that going to establish our lives and our ministry? His birth and His life lived in that body will establish our lives and establish this ministry. It will bring us to focus of what, what we're, you know, of who we are. It says your life is not your own, that you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God is not, he said, I'm just not trying to, to you know, appease my wrath because I, I, don't, I don't want wrath against you, but there's something more I have for you. You know, I, I, I think of it from the very beginning. It was all about God's purpose. As it was pertains to man, men, mankind are just slaves and bondservants. That's all we are. All mankind are slaves and bondservants. Now, people can't get over that, but you're nothing but a slave and a bondservant. Your body was given for one purpose and one purpose only was to serve. There's nothing your body... And that's all His body was given for. His body was given to serve. It was only for a purpose. He had to come. He had to come as a child. He had to be born with a human body. And what a body. And you'll see what I mean when I say that. This is an awesome thing that the Lord did. Through, only through His wisdom. He was going to do it exactly the way He was supposed to. And I love what Minister Martin, it was in His time. He did it at the exact time that he was supposed to bring in the son. He said, now it's time. And he brought him forth. But to what purpose again? We want to come to a better understanding of the true meaning of Jesus is the reason for the season and how it pertains to establishing our lives and our ministry. We want to see the importance of his birth in our lives today. So how will we accomplish this? And I've made mention, we're going to accomplish this. We want to examine why this child was born and why this son was given. There was a reason for the child. And we said, well, of course we know that he is the savior of the world. But that body was given for more than just saving you. It was given for more than that. So we want to examine why this child was born and why the son was given. And this is the, the, the statement I made earlier that I want you to write down. This child was born unto God's purpose or for God's purpose. But the son was given to fulfill his purpose. So we're going to examine the son who fulfilled the Father's purpose. That's what we want to examine. The Son who fulfilled. Because remember, Brother Eberhard started, Unto us a child is born, and I'm going to end up with unto us a son was given. So, we want to examine the Son who fulfilled the purpose of God. 
It is the mindset and attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ. He servant of the Father. That's all He came to do was serve the Father's purpose. So Hebrews chapter 10. Are we there? For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered because the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt, sacrifices and sacri- in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hadst no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do thy will, O God. Psalms chapter 40. And we're going to keep your ribbon in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 because we're going to go back to that. Psalms chapter 40. Let's start at verse, I believe it's 6. It is 6. It's the same passage of Scripture, but it's interesting that he words it totally different. He says, in verse 6, he says, Sacrifice and offering. This is the Son speaking. Well, remember, Hebrews says it, And when He comes into the world. He said, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. It says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ear hast thou opened. Burnt sacrifices and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. The body, and I've made this statement, the body that was prepared for Christ our Lord, the bread, remember, He's the bread that came down from heaven, was not only given to be the body of sacrifice for the sin of the world, but it was prepared for the Son. He was prepared for the Son. The Son is always eternal. Christ, that's why we call Christ the Son of God. He is the eternal Son. He is is the incarnate Christ. He's the Christ that put on flesh. But he was always, he says, it was prepared for the Son to live a life in that body that would become mankind's blueprint. The life that he lived in that body would become mankind's blueprint. A detailed outline and plan of action of service to God. That's exactly what, it's a detailed, a detailed outline or plan of action of service to God. That's why he was given the body. Not only to come, he was not, oh, remember, he's an Old Testament type of the Lamb. You understand? He was going to bear, bear the sins of the world. He was going to bear it. Think about it. The body was given to bear our sin. But that body had to have blood that was going to be shed for you. Interesting. That people, and, 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 you're going to, and we're going to read this, how people try to, make, try to figure out the humanity of Christ, the humanity of Him, and the, and the deity of Him. They try to say, oh, how much God was He and how much human is He? And let me tell you, I, I love the way Minister Martin brought up about the, the, your sin and the consequences of sin cries out to God. 
for judgment, for justice. Wrath is going to be poured upon this sin. Because God is like, no, i got to pour out wrath and wrath. But He holds back wrath. And those sacrifices in Hebrews chapter 10 that they speak, these old sacrificial, the Old Testament sacrificial system, they were only given to cover, to, to, as, as what it says, He held back His wrath. Knowing that the Son was coming. In the fullness of time, the Son was going to be given and He was going to be able to do... But think about the Son. This body, He had, he had lungs like we did, do. He had, he had a heart like we do. He had a mind like we do. He had sentiments like we do. He had these feelings. He had, was hungry. He, he had all this. But that body was given to take the punishment of our sin. But that body had to have blood in it, just like ours have body, but His blood was totally different because His blood did not have a sin or consequence of sin that was saying, wrath be poured upon me. Think about it. He's no, 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 because He was not. He came without the aid of man. So there was no concept. There was no wrath in His life. There was nothing that, that would... God said, i got to pour wrath upon Him. He could not, God could not pour wrath upon His Son. He had to place sin upon His body. And He bore the punishment of our sin upon His body. But without that body taking that wrath and then shedding His blood... So remember, the body was prepared to take your punishment. The blood was given to send away your sin. It was not to see the blood was given. See, he had to have blood run, but how? That's why we say, "How precious is that blood?" Because our blood is totally different. Our blood has wrath in it. Our blood has said, "You know, we deserve judgment. We deserve punishment." But his blood, no wrath in it. Nothing that says, "I deserve this." He didn't deserve any of that. He said, "I'll take it. I take this punishment." But. Unto us a child was born, unto us a son is given. The child was given for God's purpose. But the son was given to fulfill, to make sure this purpose was going to be brought to pass. So once again, the body that was prepared for Christ our Lord, the bread that came down from heaven, was not only to be given, was not only given to be the body of sacrifice for the sin of the world, but it was also prepared for the son to live a life in that body that will become mankind's blueprint, a detailed outline or plan of action of service to God. For it is that life of service to the Father that He lived in that body that has become the ultimate example for the believers to follow. His life is the ultimate example. That's why I brought you to Matthew chapter 20. That's why I brought you to Luke chapter 22. And then I told you, you're here only to serve. And, and then you may think, well, you know, I'm nobody's servant. I'm nobody's slave. But you have given up yourself to something or someone and you are a slave to something or someone. There's no getting out of that. And you're going to see that later as we go through the Scriptures. I want you to go to... Let's stay with Psalms, Hebrews chapter 10. It's interesting... Just as we partake of the body and the blood of the Lamb of God by faith and are born again, we are also to conform to the life He lived in that body that was prepared for Him. It was a life of service to the Father. Hebrews chapter 10, let's start at verse 5 now. Wherefore, when He cometh into the world, He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. I love that. 
I, I love what one commentary. I lo- I, this is what I do. I, le- I, I like to read commentaries because I really want to see how it lines up to what I'm taught. And if I could grasp something from it and say, okay, I, I, I can understand that and I can follow it. But it's, it's interesting the things that you grab out of commentaries about what they, what they say something probably means. So, it, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through 10, it, it cites this psalm and interprets it as Christ. You know, the Psalms 40 is what it's referring to, Psalms chapter 40. Hebrews chapter 10, he said it cites this psalm and interprets it as Christ's fulfillment and abolition or abolishing of the Old Testament sacrificial system. The Hebrew phrase, and I, because, and I want you to understand where my mindset was, and, and, and I'm not going to take anything away from the scriptures, but when I read Hebrews chapter 40, it says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, mine ear thou hast opened, my mind ran back to the Old Testament bondservant. That's where it ran back to. And I'm like, you know, that has to be lining up with it. But this commentary says that, you know, that really can't be. And I'll tell you why. It says the Hebrew phrase, you, it, it means you dug ears for me, is what the, the Hebrew phrase is. You, have, you dug ears for me. Dug is D-U-G, ears for me. And he said it's a difficult uh, verse to interpret. The word dug is often translated pierced. As the rich... In, in Exodus chapter 21, verse 6, the bondservant. He said, but it's not likely to actually coincide with one another since it's a different verb that is being used and it's only one ear that is pierced, is what he's saying. So me, a lot of the times, I don't like to make Scripture say, you know, try to make it fit. I'm like, I really want to dig into it. Is this what it's saying? I just don't want to use it. But the thing about what Hebrews chapter 10 Chapter chapter 10 in, he, in Psalms 40, it does talk about his servants. It talks about his service to the Father, about him being a servant. And even though it doesn't state the bond servant, he is a servant of the Father. And that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on his life of service to the Father. Let's read. So he says it probably means this. You open my ears it is the same as you made me obedient. But the scripture says that Christ Jesus learned obedience by the things he served, by the things he suffered. That's what, to to me, is what a body is because the body was given for the purpose of God. The son was going to fulfill the purpose of God. So in the son there was no failure, but the body had to be given for the purpose of God. He said, you, I, you have to buy it. That's why I say, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. I love that. A body was prepared for our Savior. So I think of this, and I'm, we're going to get to it. I'm like, who can? The scripture says this, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is it. He was manifested in the flesh. You know, great. See, and I'm thinking, how can you come to an understanding of how much God he was? And how much human he was. And separate him. And say this is how much human he is. And this is how much God. He's 100% human. He is 100% God. You know and that was the argument. As we're going to read. The argument behind. What they state. What they state. Christ laid down at the incarnation. What he had to lay down. And I'm not taking away from any humility. 
that happened at the Incarnation. But for me to try to figure out how much God He laid down and how much human He put on, that's not the point as we read in Philippians chapter chapter 2. So, I want you to go to Romans chapter 6. I made a statement about all of us being slaves. Because think about it. From the very Adam was given a body and he was placed in a garden to do what? To serve. From the very beginning, mankind is here for one purpose. And that is to serve. Mankind is not here to make a name for themselves. You have to live in this life, but you're not here to make a name. You're not here... To, what did the Bible say about, about uh, Abraham? He said he went dwelling from tents. He was a sojourner. He, just went, he's like, he understood that he sought for a city... Who hath foundation, that hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He's like, I'm here for God's purpose. Even though he had to live this life, he understood that I'm here. See, I think that's where, where, where I heard Sister Harris have said about the being out of your mind, or I don't know how she said it, but there is a mindset that we have to have. And that mindset during this season is we are here to serve. In this season at Church of the Living Water, we're only here to serve God and serve one another. That's what we're here for. Now, granted, there's a lot of things, people. A lot of things that the believer will go through. A bunch of things that we will go through. There are some things that we won't understand. Why we have to go through this. Why things happen. Why is this going on? We don't understand how, what's going on in this situation. What's happening? We have a lot of questions. But all you're here to do is serve God and serve His purpose. That's all you're... See, I think that's where we miss it in our hearts. Sometimes that we look at things and it's like, God, why? You know, why, 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 do the, why, do, why am I in this situation and why can't I get out of this situation? And God is only, will you serve me? Will you give yourself to me? And that's all. I, see, I love what my pastor would say. He said, when you're in a place that you don't understand, find the nearest place of obedience. And that's my founding pastor. He said, find the nearest place of obedience and go from there. See, that's where we have to understand that we're only here to serve. Romans chapter 6. I made a statement. And I'm, I'm going to read this. The bodies in which we live in will be a servant or slave to someone or something. You will not get out of that. No one belongs to themselves. We all have an owner. We all live by the dictates of our owners. The phrase, I am my own person, is truly a misconception. For we are all following and serving someone or something else. The only freedom we have in this equation is our free will to choose who we're going to serve. That's, the, that's, the, that's what God gives you. He gives you the free will to say, who will you serve? Joshua said in front of the people, he goes, who are you going to serve? He said, the gods on, this, on that side of the flood are you, who your father served? He said, I made a choice. As for me and my, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But he made a choice. God doesn't make any of us choose Him. We have to choose Him. That is our choice. So, Romans chapter 6. And this is where I got that from. Romans chapter 6. Let's start at verse 16. We may read more than just that verse, but I think that may be the only verse we read. Romans chapter 6. When you're there, say amen, because I am not there. It says this, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are 
to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience to righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. And made free from sin, you became the of righteousness. So once again, you, that meant that I am my own person. I, even people that thinking that they're doing their own thing. This is my thing. I'm doing me. This is what I do. You're a servant. You're a slave. You are bound to someone. And, and people that are bound, they don't realize they're bound. And, and it's interesting. Sometimes we as believers don't realize that we're bound to Christ. That we're bound to obey and that's why this that's why these messages we pertain to to bring us to the to a better understanding of Jesus is the reason for the season. What season is that? Is that just the season of Christmas? Jesus is the reason for that season, but Jesus is just the reason for the season that we're in, and that's the, the season of the gospel. To preach the gospel, to, to to hear the gospel, to obey the gospel, to draw near to God. We're in that season. Jesus is the season, is the reason for the season. So I want you to go, and we're going to get into Philippians chapter 2 for the remainder of this, this evening. Philippians chapter 2. I want to read you some views that some commentaries had. Philippians chapter 2. Let's go there. Let's start. I was going to start at verse 5, but let's start from verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 11. So we're going to read quite a few verses. When you're there, say Amen. It says, if there, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, of any comfort, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, Having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So, really, he's talking about being like-minded. He's talking about a unity that you must have. If there be, once again, if there be any, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, of any fellowship of the Spirit, of any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you are like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, mind. Verse three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. The, talk, the topic is about humility and serving one another. And, coming to, and having that same mind, that same love for one another. Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, also in Christ Jesus, who the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found, being found in fashion as a man, so he was found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I like 
You know, Minister Martin made mention about the humility at his birth. You know, humility was at his birth throughout his life to the very end. He was just, he was the humble servant of the Father. If you notice in the, in, in the Gospels, that's what he said. I do nothing lest the Father shows me, unless the Father tells me. He said, I do nothing of my own. I didn't, I didn't come to do anything of my own. See, Jesus said, no, I, see, his humility was found in what, what mindset, what, my, what attitude he had, what, what attitude he carried in that body. See, the body was given to serve. The Son was given to fulfill that purpose. But He was only given to fulfill the purpose of God. So, we read here, and I want to read you with some commentary. He said, there's two views that are found in this thing. And, the, and once again, they're debating, these views are debating of what happened at the Incarnation. The Incarnation is when Christ the Son put on a body. And that is Jesus. Jesus our Lord. And once I, once I tell you what a body that was that he put on. There is what is called the kenosis view. And I'm going to explain it as best as I can. The kenosis view. And it states that the eternal son, by virtue of the incarnation, at the time of incarnation, gave up some or all of his divine attributes, which were incommensurate with a fully human existence. So the kenosis view of what our Lord did thought to do full justice to the real humanity of Jesus. They attempted to make him as human as possible. And I'm like, you can't make him as human and more more human than he already is. He's 100% human. That's who he is. So, the subkenotic view, it's that which is against the kenosis view, considers the kenosis view as a serious assault on the deity, the true deity of Jesus the Christ. So they replaced it with a view stating that what Christ laid aside in the incarnations was not some or all of his divine attributes such as omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence. Instead, what Christ emptied himself was, of, was the independent use of these attributes in order to live a normal human life. So they were saying, and, and, and they have scriptures to back up their views. So the kenosis view says he gave up some or all of his divine attributes for this human to be human. So they try to make him as human as possible. And they, and they and make statements like he was see and, and they make statements, things that really cannot establish a doctrine behind it. You cannot say because Jesus did not know where Lazarus was buried when he asked us that he's not omniscient. Do you understand that he doesn't know all things? They cannot say because he did not. Or, and, and, I, and I remember the other passage. I can't remember exactly the other passage that was used. But and that was one of the passages that he did. Oh, yeah. He didn't know the times in Acts chapter one of the, of the coming, the time of the coming of, of the end of times. He didn't know that. So they're like, he has to not be omniscient. He has to be full human. He had to have given up his, his uh, omniscience, omnipresence, his omnipotence at the incarnation. And the other one, it says, that's a, that's a, it says that's an assault on the true deity of Jesus Christ. So what he gave up was his, his independent acts of it. So he had to depend on the Father and all of it. And which is true. He had to depend on the Father. And they use scriptures like, you see, he cast out demons by the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, I can understand that. You know, some of the things that he's talking about. But the whole matter, to me, once again, is a debate about how much human he is and how much God he is. 
And, I, and, and when I was reading Philippians chapter 2, that is not the focus of Philippians chapter 2. To determine how much... And once again, when I, and, I, and I made this comment as I was reading, writing my notes, this is not taking anything away from the humility that was found in the Incarnation. But we're not trying to figure out how much of humanity He put on and how much God He still is. We believe that He's 100% human and that He is 100% God. And that's why He fulfilled what... There's no, there was no, he is one with the Father. He will always be. When Jesus died, gave up His life, when Jesus laid down His life, God did not stop being God. He did not cease to it. What happened to the Son at that time? Right there at the Son when the body was buried, when, the body, when, when He was crucified, it said it is finished, that the Son stopped, being, uh, stopped having any existence. Not the eternal Son. Because He's eternal. See, and that's what people try, they try to say, well, you know, it, they try to make Him human as it pertains as, as us and our frailties. And what I mean by that, not, I'm talking about the sin. The, he will never, that's why I was saying it's such an awesome, wonderful, you know, what a body this is. Because once again, not only for the punishment of our sin, but He had to have blood flowing through Him. And that blood, that's, that's, that's the blood that sends away our sins. So that's why he's this son, this by this baby, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be worshipped. That's but it's the son in him. The son in him. See that body and, and I can't take away anything from the body because the body hadn't had no sin. Not touched with the with the stain of sin, with the poison of sin. There was no poison in him. When they examined the lamb, they found no fault in him examined and found nothing. There is nothing that they could say about the son. There's nothing. There's no one that can say anything about the child, the body, Jesus Christ. The son of God. No one, because there's nothing that, there was no fault found from the very beginning. There was nothing found. No fault. It was perfect. It was complete. That's why he never sinned, because the son was given to make sure the purpose of God was brought to pass. So, the alternative, as I read, the alternative reading of this commentary brings some light to it. It says, The alternative reading of Philippians 2, 5, and 11 affords a solution that counts all types of canonic doctrine concerning Christ. The real concern of Paul, and I was like, this is why I like reading commentaries, because this is the conclusion I was coming to. I was like, that is not even the focus. You're, you're, you're debating about something that's not even really important. You're debating about something that doesn't even need to be actually talked about. But it's interesting because their, their erroneous thoughts brings you to an understanding of what Philippians really talks about. It says, The alternative reading of Philippians 2, 5-11 through 11, affords a solution which discounts all types of canonic doctrine concerning Christ. The real concern of Paul in Philippians 2 is not the pre-incarnate Christ who emptied himself in the incarnation, thereby equating the kenosis with it, trying to make their views line up with the incarnation. Rather, the already incarnate Christ is referred to as doing something with the expression emptied himself. See, he was already made a man. It's the attitude that he carried, what he did. He made himself. The scripture says he made himself. That means he emptied himself. 
suggests the incarnate Christ is to pour out his life having taken the position of a servant and already in the likeness of humanity as a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 53. And it also says about Isaiah 52. See, he is the servant of the Lord. So when we look at, that's why I tell you that Psalms chapter 40 verse 6 and Hebrews chapter 10 where it says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a body thou hast prepared for me. He talks about, I've, I've been given a body to take your sin. I've been given a body to take sin upon my body. But I've also been given a body because sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, mine ear thou hast opened. I've been given this body to serve the purpose of God. See, and that's what we've got to understand that during this season, that's what it's, we're here for. We're here only to serve God's purpose. See, everything we do and all the things that, we, that, that happen, and we're going to see, we're going to come to, to uh, see, you know, the debate with the disciples and what God was trying to bring. See, those things in our life about who's right or who's wrong, as it pertains to God's purpose, we're all servants. We're all here to serve God, serve His purpose, and serve His people. This word, mine... And as we read, I want, to, I want to give you some definitions of slave, one of the words for slaves. But the word slave, especially when you use in Romans chapter 6, I'm sorry, it's doulos, which means slave or servant. The Hebrew and Greek words for slave are usually rendered simply servant, bondman, or bond servant. We are bond servants. That's why I like, uh, I like uh, Exodus chapter 21 as it talks about the bond servant. The bond servant, to me, it is, the, it is a type of, of course, we could say without a shadow of a doubt, we're not going to argue whether that's a type of Christ, but I will tell you that is a type of the believer that has been set free from sin. That is a type of believer that understands what God has done for them and is willing to bind himself. See, think about that bond servant. That bond servant came to an understanding of, I thought about him, as it pertains, think about it, he lived a life of slavery. He was at, he lived under the dictates of his master. There was not, think about it, there was no, even though I think in everybody there's a hope of freedom, in everybody, there had to be a hope of freedom. In, a, in, a, in every person that's in slavery and bondage or anything, there always is a hope for freedom because they know no one is created for that kind of servitude. I'm talking about in human terms. No one is created for that. So in his mind, there is hope. Think about it. The, the hope that he may have had to be a freedman. But when he was at the time of being set free, the only reason that he stayed in servitude, he said, because I love my master. I love my wife and I love my children. See, he was not going to be set free his wife was not going to be set free. His children were not going to be set free if they were given to him by his master. If he brought them in, already married and children, they were all going to be set free. But if they were given by the master in the time of his servitude, in the time of his slavery, those were his masters. They belonged to him. But this servant, the Bible says, that he said, I love my master. I love my, children, my wife and I love my children. He said, I want to serve you forever. See, and that was a sign of his servitude. Having the all bored, bored through his ear, having, that, having his ear pierced, showed I serve him forever. See, and I think that we have to come to a conclusion as we examine 
the life of the life and birth of Jesus Christ, that our heart should say, once again, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. To me, again, Psalms 40, chapter 6 in Hebrews, it's not only talking about what Christ did at his birth and the reason he came, but it was going to be about the life that he would live. And it was going to be, what did I say, an outline. It was going to be, and, and, I, and I want to read that again. It's supposed to be a detailed outline, a plan of action of the service of God. That's what it was. We have to examine that. As we examine this body, we don't only examine the child, we examine the life the son lived in that body. That's what we want to examine. So, you know, because that's the conclusion that we want to come to. So, I want you to go to... Let's go. Let's see where we're going to go to next. What do I have time for? Don't want to go there. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. get there eventually. Luke 22. We're going to start at verse 15. And I didn't make mention of this. It says, With desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not tarry more. I will, I will not eat. I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, "This Take this and divide it among yourself. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, the body given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me at the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth that it was determined. But woe unto the man by whom it is he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them. Which of them should it be accounted the greatest? And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that does serve. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not that he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. We made a statement earlier about how is this, how is this, uh, what is our purpose? And I said, we want to come to a better understanding of the true meaning of Jesus as the reason for seed and show and how it pertains to establishing our lives in ministry. We want to see the importance of his birth in our lives today. And I believe as we examine these passages of scripture in Luke chapter 22 and Matthew chapter 20, 
we're going to see the hard attitudes that we need to have towards one another. Because I think once again, we come to a point in our lives that as it pertains to what Jesus did, is that we focus on the wrong things. And we don't focus on what He came to do. See, remember, his, um, the message unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. It was all about, I, I thought about this, when it, it, as it pertains to doing the will of God. Because that's all He came to do. The will of the Father. He said, when He found no man in Isaiah, and I can't remember the passage of Scripture, I found no man, I found no one, no one to stand in the gap. He said, so my arm brought salvation to me. He said, I put on a helmet. I did these things because God did it all. He did it all for you, but He also did it to show you how to live. That body that was given was only to show us, this is how you serve. See, in the midst of what's happening in our lives, in the midst of everything that's going on in our life, we're still required to serve. We're still required to serve our God and serve one another because it is easy. Believe me, it is easy. Sometimes I'm like, now this is frustrating. Certain things that we deal with life can leave us in a frustrated sense. You know, is this what it's really all about? Encumbered about with so many things and we don't understand that we're only here for the purpose of God. We're only here to God, this is about your purpose and what you've come to do for me. Once again, not only that you take my sin, but you showed me how to serve. See, the mindset... The mind attitude that we had to have, once again, it's about emptying ourselves. And a lot of times, we don't want to empty ourselves. And I think that's the place that these disciples were brought to. It's like, you know what? You have not emptied himself. You have not emptied... See, these disciples, once again, they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Spirit of God living inside of them as we do. But that is the purpose that He came was only to bring you not only to a place of salvation, and all of it, when I tell you Jesus is the reason for the season, the whole reason for that season is just salvation. The salvation of mankind, and also to bring you a place where you're serving Him and His purpose. This is not about anything else. If you think about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is all about, when you were, think about your, your, your salvation, when you came to Jesus. In your heart, when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, after coming to the point, it's like, my God, there is a God. What was in your heart to do? What was that in your heart? What was placed in your heart to do at the time of salvation? When, you, when Jesus came into your heart, all I knew that night, I wanted to tell other people about Jesus Christ. I didn't know how to witness, but I knew something had happened. I knew, and all I know is I remember thoughts of service. How can I serve? What can I do? All of those, that was because he, only, he didn't only come to save me, he came to bring me into purpose. I've come to show you that life that I live, that's the life, that's the requirement, that's that blueprint. That's the thing that I'm bringing out of you. See, and I think that's where, I believe, that's where we're coming to. In, in this ministry, it's all about serving one, serving God once again and serving our brothers. I made mention just a while ago, you have no idea what people are going through as it pertains in their own life in this ministry. Even those people that you think, and, and I loved it, you, you heard it about kindness. Remember the, the, the message on kindness? Says, you know, you have, people clean up very well. 
They clean up very well. But you have no idea what type of things are happening in their life. But a lot of times, because we're consumed with us, we're not looking to them. And, and I think that's where I believe that. For the believer, that that's something they have to focus hard on. Because this world is not about focusing on other people. Even when they tell you, it's like I, I, thought about, I thought about our job, my job is now, and I was saying something, and, and we've always been offered thanks, uh, the day after Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve. And this year it's like, no, you're working the day after Thanksgiving and you're working on Christmas Eve. And, you're not, and I'm thinking, wow. So in Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, it was like there was very little happening. And I thought, if you want people to be productive for you, this is not the place they need to be the day after Thanksgiving. I said, because you're about you and serving your purpose and not about serving corporate America. They're about serving them and their purpose. And they say, we are your family. But they don't realize you have a family. You, my relationship with my family is nothing like the relationship I have. I have good relationships at work. I do have some great relationships. But they're nothing, like, they're nothing like I have with my family. They're nothing that I have with you. There's, there's, there's not that relationship. They cannot, uh, they cannot understand me at a certain level. Just being around your family is good enough for a comfort at times. You know, just relaxing with your family, not having to, well, I got to go here, I got to go there, I got to do this, I got to do that. And I think that's the problem sometimes is that we focus on the wrong things. And Jesus says, you know what? This is all about you serve. Not about who's greatest among you. It's about who you're going to serve, how you're going to serve your brother. And you have to fight for that. I, believe, I'm, I'm, I speak for myself. You have to fight to love your brothers. You have to fight to serve your brothers. Because usually the enemy brings it all where it's all about you. Every situation you go through, everything that we deal with, the enemy says, well, what about you? You know, what are, and all of us, all of us are there. Every one of us. But remember, you're giving that body to serve. That's what you're, so when we talk about unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, remember those things. Remember that at the time that he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body you prepared for me. And he said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, my ear you have opened. And then he says, I've come to do the will of my Father. Lo, I come in the volume of the book that is written to me, to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is in my heart. See, and I think that's... And I, don't, I keep on saying I think. That is the purpose of God. That is God's purpose that we put Him. We make His, our service to Him priority. And then serve His people. You may stand to your feet. We're going to conclude this evening with that. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.